All righty. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Cocaine Willie's After Party, where we're doing lines and smoking pines. And I am going to invite Nick to the stage as well as Matt, I guess, as both as co-casters, because I'm new to this. And there I see Matt. What's going on, Matt? Hello, Brosifs. How are you? You know what? I'm doing great. How about yourself? Can't complain. Can't complain. It's a beautiful day here in Colorado. It's a beautiful day in Wildcat land. That it. That it is. That it is. Because it's All a right, shitty we... day in Kansas City. Too hot. <laughs> yeah, I get that. What's up, Chef? What's going on? How you doing? I'm surviving. It's uh, The storms are brewing here in Ohio for maybe here in a little bit. Yeah. Storm season's approaching. We got Callie Mike. What's Cal- up? E. How's it going? Aussie boy. What's up? Ooh. Stoves 95. That's Dylan Stoss. It's our good friend Dylan Stoss. Very nice. It is me. Yo, Dylan Stoss. What's up, Mark Cini? <laughs> yeah, a long time no talk. <laughs> I know. <laughs> We can get that two K game in. Oh no, I uh, I don't I don't do that anymore. <laughs> That's right, me either. Yeah, give me on FIFA. Love it, love it. What's everybody sipping on tonight? I got some sangria I just whipped up. Ooh, getting fancy over there. Fancy Nancy. Nice. I, got I some just scary. got done at the uh, grocery store. Picked up some bear bottle. Brewing, Nicholas. <laughs> well, hey everybody. What's up, coffee fiend? What's up, guys? Will Dubois. We've got we've got Big Will. Big Will's in the I'm house. I'm in the house. We've got Cole. Man, we've got a packed we got a packed house tonight. Pack it in. Awesome. If you hear well, my, any my... loud, and if you. My bad. If you hear any loud uh, noises or anything like that, I'm doing the dishes right now. So unacceptable. Fair. Unacceptable. Fair. We can't. Yeah, we can't have that background noise, Nick. Come Sorry. On. Sorry, guys. Come on. Got to get that <laughs> burr grinder out and and drown us all out with the noise. You, you know what? I might make another cock. Uh, yeah. You know what? That was a good idea. I'll, I'll take. I'll take all the credit I'm, for I'm, it. So I was going to uh, bust out the second bag that Kelly and Mike had sent. Um, the El Damonte. Uh, Andy gonna, Town. Andy Town yeah, in the house. I was going to bust that out if we, if Scott and I were going to do the uh, in-person, but unfortunately it's going to be over Zoom. So, <sighs> yep. I'll, uh, I'll save I'll save this for another special occasion there, Kelly and Mike. So, I had to... Uh, Go with my other recommendation that I made the other day. I posted it. It was a Guatemalan from uh, Temecula. Temecula. And Temecula. Temecula. Thank you. Temecula. Temecula. <laughs> Dracula. <laughs> uh, so that was that's my roast tonight. Medium, medium roast. Um, so I did use the cold brew maker. Um, Got some learning to do, but nonetheless, it was still good. That was your uh, Prime Day purchase, right? 
It was, it was indeed. But Prime decided to fuck everything up. <laughs> because they sent me, instead of the Mini Espresso uh, Travel Maker, they sent me the traveling, like, canister kit. So it comes with three filters and, a, like, a water uh, canister instead of the actual maker. <sighs> First world problems, am I right? Sure is, right? Yeah. Sure is. Marcusini, you gotten to break out that, uh, that rangefinder yet? Yeah, I played, uh, played three rounds Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Um, worked out well. Getting the golf game on. Need to be shooting, shooting in the 80s. Or high 70s by uh, August or September. <laughs> Nick is, love it. Nick, 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 I'm, Nick, I muted you, so you're, you're going to have to come <laughs> unmute yourself. <laughs> Thought you guys wanted to hear the coffee grinds, but it is what it is. I, can't, I guess I can't be the coffee fiend all the time. We'll we'll visualize it in our heads. <laughs> oh god! Oh god! <laughs> what an asshole! Um, okay, cool. So, I as far as things to discuss tonight, I've got like three things on the list, uh, and I figured we could maybe just kind of roundtable on a few things and see where the conversation takes us. Um, for those of you who are new, haven't listened to this before, uh, we went about two hours last week, and I'm, I'm definitely intending not to go on two hours this week, mostly because my wife is back in town, um, and I have a bedtime. So I'm planning on going maybe like an hour. If y'all want to continue going on, I will make someone else the co-caster, and we'll go from there. But um, just want to kind of roundtable on some things, maybe discuss some things we didn't get to discuss on Bosco's Boys, and, and talk about some things that maybe aren't necessarily K-State-specific as well. So the first thing that I had was the University of Colorado had a Board of Regents meeting tonight. That was another kind of just a random impromptu meeting. And they've had a couple of these. The last one got canceled. They had a retreat last week. Um, But and who knows if this guy's full of shit. He seems to be connected. He could be just blowing smoke up of everybody's asses. Um, But that MHVER3 on Twitter is saying that Colorado and Arizona were having meetings. I guess the Arizona guy, um, was the, the rivals guy, I think, for Arizona, was not able to corroborate the Arizona side of it. Um, but at least the CU side is having a meeting tonight. I think it happened at 4 o'clock Mountain, so a couple hours ago now. But exciting to know that there could be some movement there maybe sooner rather than later. I think my initial guess was August, that first week of August, when your mark is – in his first week in the in the seat of commissioner and when the 30-day negotiating window is officially up for the Pac-12's renegotiation that they opened that first week of July after USC and UCLA left for their TV rights. So I'm kind of curious everybody's thoughts. Do do we think something is going to happen sooner or do we think we're, we're probably not going to hear anything for a couple of weeks? Um, I'll, I'll, I'll say that I, I've seen that guy on Twitter for – I don't know. It seems like forever. Um, and I mean, he does, I mean, he throws a lot of shit out there. I don't know if he's just talking or if he's like putting his dreams out there and hoping they come true. But I mean, a lot of people discredit him. A lot of people, um, say he's very tapped in, but I mean, if Colorado, um, gets in, you know, if they put their application in, and Arizona follows suit. I think 
I think I saw somewhere that Arizona and Arizona State kind of have to go together because um, how their border regions work um, for Arizona schools. Um, well, they, they are different boards of regents. So uh, Arizona, like U of A and NAU, like Northern Arizona, those are on the same um, board of regents. Okay. But it's more it's more similar to like how California has Cal State and the UC system or like right. how Texas has the UT, the A&M, the, the tech. They've got like three different systems in, in Texas. So it's more similar to that. Yeah, well, I will say, though, if if those were to those um, stories are true, um, I think this is kind of the dominoes that I mean, we all kind of saw the pack, pack 10, pack 12 falling apart anyway. But I think this is kind of pushing it even closer to that. I don't think they're going to be able to um, secure teams that I mean, they've already kind of done their media negotiations, kind of seen some numbers, I think. Um, I think that was supposed to be done within the past like 30 days, but um, if they, if they, they come on over, I think it's a death blow to the pack 12. And I mean, it only, I think it, if, if we're accepting invitations, it only adds value from what Brett Yormark said. I'm a Michigan state university fan. I graduated from Michigan state in 2020 go Spartans, but I know uh, y'all are Kansas state fans, correct? See, yes. All right. So, uh, who's and we we love we love other land grant schools. Sorry to interrupt you, but we love the land grants out here. All right, that's what's up. So, uh, we're land grant too. So I respect that. Um, so who's your biggest rival? I don't really pay attention to your program. KU. It'd probably be Kansas. Um, we we're also an original Big Eight school, so I mean. Um, Nebraska used to be huge um, before they left to your Big Ten. Um, Missouri was a, a massive game for us. And, uh, I mean, just those original Big Eights, we've got history that goes back um, super-duper far. And it's just, it's just I mean, it's, we're getting dismantled, but we're starting new rivalries, I think. And honestly, like in the in the past, it's it's always been KU. I mean, KU, K State, two Kansas schools, like Chef said. But here recently, Iowa State, hands down, Iowa. Do we think that the Iowa conference State. moves, like USC, are one of our main rivals? USC won't be able to play us that much anymore. I mean, we won the last two in a row, but I'm worried that their move to the Big Ten means some traditional rivals that we have, like them or Alabama, won't be able to play us very often. Wait, you think Kansas State is rivals of Alabama? <laughs> is that what you just said? Clemson, Alabama, Notre Dame, they're all big rivals of ours. Well, I'm still yeah, smarting over that bowl everybody. loss to Ohio State, but, you know, we won the last two against USC, and I don't think they'll get a chance to revenge that. And same thing with Tennessee. What? I mean, we have the all-time record against Tennessee, Wait, for Kansas those who State, forget that. Kansas is in the uh, – Kansas say y'all in the Big Twelve, right? Yeah, you're yeah. coming. Hey, yeah. You're Michigan. You're, you're talking yeah, Big dude, Twelve I, with us. Big, I'm in the Big Ten like silo, so like I really don't like pay attention to Kansas State. But I'm asking questions, so you hate Kansas. I really love how to see that plays out when you guys played them in basketball, because you know being a Big Ten fan, hoops is something that's really big to us too. So I hope you guys continue doing your show during the college basketball season, if you haven't already. 
you know, that shit. You guys continue doing this, you know. Yeah. But football's yeah, coming sure up. Hobby tour. Yeah. yeah, so I, I guess I'm just kind of curious, you know, before we go back to talking more Big 12-centric stuff, uh, what are your thoughts as a Michigan State fan having USC and UCLA come in? Do you feel like they're going to add anything to the conference outside of just the financial implications of it, or, or are you actually legitimately excited about it? I'm legitimately excited about it. I mean, think about it. Michigan State Spartans versus USC Trojans. Come on, our athletic departments have to make some sort of rivalry. It'll be cool Nike jerseys and everything. Um, no, kind of kidding aside, there's so much UCLA, despite the fact that they're kind of needed to make this deal to kind of get out of debt almost. like I still think UCLA is going to and USC is going to benefit a lot from joining the Big Ten, except for travel. Um, and I think the Big Ten is going to benefit a lot from having USC and UCLA um, except for them and how they travel. Awesome. Awesome. Love it. Love it. Matt, you have uh, anything to say? No, I was going to go back to the uh, Colorado thing. but Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Patrick, I'm going to go ahead and put you on mute, buddy. So, uh, so, oh, chef left. Um, so my impression was that the PAC 12 opened those media negotiations again, or at least to get an idea in the open market. And I wanted to say that it wasn't something that, it, you know, we were going to hear probably relatively soon. Um, you know, in the next few weeks, I feel like that's one of the main dominoes. Um, because at this point, if you're able to, you know, if they're, when they finally get those kind of idea from a number perspective, I think that is going to be the potential domino. Um, you know, if they foresee, you know, financially, it's not going to be a good thing. Um, that could be what a meeting like this tonight is, is, is talking about. Um, I personally am not foreseeing any moves here, um, probably until I would say August, you know, even into September, but, um, of course, I'm going to be the one. The Big 12 needs to be on the offensive here. Got to make some moves um, in order to to get us in a situation where we can keep the league together. That's just... I saw JWB email go off mute. Do you have something to say? I was just going to say we all kind of – I remember back in the first round of realignment, everybody was waiting for Nebraska to kind of be the first domino, and it was Colorado who kind of – things off and and it'd be funny because everybody's now just waiting for Notre Dame to go to the Big Ten or whatever's going to happen to the ACC and and it wouldn't it be funny again if it, it was again Colorado and uh, some combination of pack schools that decide to to start the domino effect and I honestly I, I think that's what we're going towards uh, at, at this stage in the game like if the Pac-12 had anything, you know, monetarily that would keep them relevant, I feel like we would get the the kind of the company line that we got when Texas and Oklahoma just said, okay, we'll stick with the Big 12. We're all going to be, a, you know, play nice and be a unified front here for a while. I don't really feel like we've seen that with the remaining Pac-10 schools. So I just feel like we're going to 
the Big 12's in an aggressive position here. We're going to poach them, and I, I would expect Arizona and Colorado, and again, package deal with the Arizona schools, and I would imagine Utah. Um, if Oregon and Washington end up coming, great, but the other thing, too, I, I don't really feel like Stanford or Cal have the long-term vested interest in, in, in being relevant in football either, as, as we all know, that's kind of the driving force behind this whole thing, so... I feel like we're going to be welcoming in a couple new conference members here in a couple of years. That's my, my two cents. And and just to speak real quickly on Stanford and Cal, I think it's almost more in, and maybe Callie Mike has more, more to say on this, but I think it's almost more likely that they go independent or at least one of them goes independent. If, if the PAC 12 collapses, just because I, I don't see them valuing football enough. They, they want to keep their academic standing and they want to keep their Olympic sports going, but I just don't think they value football enough. Not, not from a fan base having been out there for, for the Stanford game a few years ago. Um, I just, I just don't see it. I think you're a hundred percent right. Um, they're not going to, to value it and they, they probably aren't going to jump ship like, like the other teams. The thing that sucks, I think about Oregon state and Washington state and Oregon state putting all of that money into their, you know, into Research Stadium, getting ready to renovate that, and now they might be end up being relegated to the Mountain West. Like, I know that's kind of what we were feeling might occur last year with with us and a couple others. But man, like, I, I genuinely do feel for those those two schools if they don't end up having a landing spot in a quote power conference. But it is what it is, man. <laughs> I think that Notre Dame is not going to go to any conference simply. Just how and how strong they get their opponents each and every year for football, and how much leverage they have with NBC. I know that contract's about to get uh, run up, but it, I just don't see Notre Dame going to a conference unless there is a huge, huge offer made by one of the conferences and or a certain school. Don't get me down. What? Uh, I just, I just, sorry, Nick, just to not to cut you off, but I just have to say that that Patrick guy just left the room. That dude was high or hammered or something. I, yeah, I could was, not, I could not make out anything that he was saying whatsoever. No idea who. Yeah, no idea. I definitely uh, thought he was trolling. Um, he definitely seemed like he, I don't know. I thought he was like a KU or like some some other fan base because he just like went straight to basketball and was like I don't know I thought he was trolling yeah I totally agree that was that was not cool not gonna lie. um you want what I okay whatever four year olds man four year olds um what was I saying Notre Dame uh, I think a certain school, a.k.a. Stanford, uh, if they don't go to the Big – or not Big 12, the Big 10, then I, I don't see Notre Dame going either. So I, I'm i probably one of the very big minority in this, um, but I've always somewhat felt that it's almost like it's going to be a race to 20 or 24 teams in a conference. Um, that's, that's kind of always how I felt. Um, I think it's going to be just a race to get as, as big as possible. Um, so the, the merger, um, that was kind of being floated around, I know obviously financially it doesn't sound great. Um, 
you know, it, at least from what we've heard, but there was a part of me that almost wanted this to end just with a merger to know that we, as a school, we're safe. Um, I do feel for Oregon state, Washington state. I feel um, because I felt last year at about this time, we were very, we we're, we we're almost in that. I felt we were almost in that kind of situation. We just didn't know what was going to happen. So I really want to get this realignment stuff out of the way and know that K-State has a future in a big time uh, conference. So um, I, again, I'm probably in the minority. I thought a merger could be pretty decent, um, maybe not perfect, but I don't know if there's a perfect scenario for us at this point. So if you think this is me being hypothetical, me thinking down the road, if that were to happen, two mega conferences, do you foresee, obviously this is probably a rhetorical question, but expanded playoff, 12, 12 teams, 16 teams? Like, if that's the case, then that's where the playoff needs to go, in my opinion. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I yes, I see that. Um, the fear then goes, okay, um, you know, they they couldn't figure out a playoff number for years, you know? And the thing that I just don't feel like the right people are making the decisions in this entire process. I think that's a, a theme, but, um, you know, an expanded playoff, I think is going to be a, ne- a necessity at some point. And unfortunately it's going to leave a lot of teams out thinking from a, a group of five perspective. Um, not to I say, just, oh, sorry. 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 No, go I was just saying, uh, I, I love how it was, uh, it was pretty funny how Nick Saban made that comment uh, about having a metric system or some sort of system to rank all the teams. And, and it's like, but in that we just got away from, like. Yeah, it's, the, we, it's the BCS. And, and, yeah, and I think and the so, different, what we need is like a combination of the two. We need to have the BCS system because I, I, I do think that the computer rankings were solid. The issue with the BCS is that there were these arbitrary rules around like, oh, like so many like conference schools, so many like, like the only thing it mattered for really was the top two. And then there would be the quote unquote BCS bowls, but they would pair together. But it wasn't like a playoff. It wasn't like everybody had an opportunity, you know? Right. So I think. I think the ideal situation is you go back to the computer rankings, but you go, you use that in tandem with a playoff system where it's somewhat expanded, maybe to like eight teams or or the eight plus two or whatever it would be where you have like a, like a play in game potentially. And you do some of those games on campus and then you use the bowl system like they're using today. I think that would be ideal because you're, you've got more of an unbiased, you don't have a committee and Condoleezza fucking rice making the decisions here you have a, a you know a, an objective perspective on who's going to be in the playoff based off of similar to um, to NCAA basketball though that's also not perfect. Well, um, I will it's s- mostly based off of like the net rankings, right? Well, what 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 Nick Saban was saying was about scheduling when he talked about like that what he called an RPI what basketball does is that he's saying if we expand the playoff and the scheduling, he wants it all for the fans or they're not scheduling uh, four cupcakes out of conference and playing eight conference games and still making the playoff. But with that so system, then- he's, talk- he's talking like a five and seven uh, South Carolina team 
um, could play every team in the SEC close and their system would still rate them higher than a team that went 11 and one out in Boise. That's what oh, he's saying. He, he's saying that they want to be able to schedule better games because with the system we have right now, it's all about winning, no matter what's on your schedule to the um, depth, the detriment of the fan, because you're going to be a 48 point favorite at home versus um, Abilene Christian or whoever they're playing in like the middle of November. Um, and, and I get what he's saying, but it's, there's no perfect system and whether, whether every team is going to be um, looking back at it, like Nebraska where they're three and nine, but they were all one score games in his system. He's saying, Oh, well, they played in the big 10. That's the second best conference in the league. And they played everybody close. So they should be rated high. And I don't think that's how it should be. I think it should be wins and losses. To hell with what the fans want. The fans want to see wins too. I don't. I don't get what he was saying with that. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that. We shouldn't like Nebraska is a great example of that. Where we shouldn't we shouldn't be overvaluing a team just based on the fact that they won in one or they won or lost in one score games. But if they still end up three and nine, we shouldn't weight them any higher. You know, I, I agree with that a hundred percent. And Anybody and the BC and the BCS was the base the BCS was basically, I mean it basically just went wins and losses and point differential. Now you had to win the games. You didn't you didn't get to lose the games and say you only lost by four or on a last second field goal or by one. It didn't. It you took an L. You dropped down in the rankings a lot. Um. So I think the the BCS had it. I mean, it like you said earlier, the BCS kind of had it right. It was, it was the way to go, and now you're putting it more into human hands. But now the human hands, especially if they expand the playoff, if they expand the playoff and it's all human voters, there's no way that if you don't have it where the automatic qualifiers from a conference make it, you're going to see six or seven SEC schools, four or five Big Ten schools no matter what their record is, because, I mean, it's just going to be favoritism for the two big conferences. And that's, I mean, somebody brought up merger earlier, and I don't, I mean, it adds security that you'll have a conference, but like we said last week, it's all about winning games and being players. And if you're not playing for national championships or your conference is, not important what are we playing for something that someone brought up recently i think on the 1012 podcast was the idea of having flexible scheduling to where let's say you've got clemson and nc state are top 10 teams but nc state isn't slated to play clemson for whatever reason that year you add like three potentially like flexible games in the middle of the season or toward the end of the season for teams that are competing well and, and have better opportunity to succeed. That's an interesting idea that I haven't heard a whole lot of commentary on, but I, I don't know. I just thought it was interesting. I don't know how feasible it would be, especially with people buying tickets and things in advance. But you think about like, we just had the Stanley cup playoffs in Denver recently, and you don't know if you're going to have a game seven or a game six, but people buy the tickets anyway. Nick, are you peeing right now? No, it's the dishes. I could. I mean, we did that for the COVID like, season, you know, when we had 
I, I think it was like Coastal Carolina and BYU. There was a game like they literally threw it together within a matter of days, and they made it happen. They got people there and whatnot. And I, I know, like anybody who holds season tickets or whatever, it, it, your your fall schedule is so dictated by home games and knowing dates in advance and knowing kick times and everything. But I, I still think like. You know, games in the NFL get flexed all the time and everybody makes it work and it's not a huge ordeal. I feel like that's something that we could absolutely see used in college football. It's just a matter – and TV networks, I don't think they would care because they know uh, if they can get – To that a, point in the season. What's that? What was that, Will? Uh, sorry. I When I go in between inside and outside, I cut out, so I thought someone wasn't talking, but I interrupted, so – but I was saying do a neutral site game like Kansas City and Dallas and see teams, and so that way everyone knows where the games will be played, when the games will be played, and you can match up teams that are top teams against each other, almost like a conference tournament, but at like two or three neutral site locations. I mean, that would be like dream scenario where you could you, you are automatically pitting, uh, pitting the top teams in a conference together, but... I mean the 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 logistics of that. Who gets the home game? I mean, is it based on ranking? Is it based on because if you if they if NC State and Clemson weren't set on uh, playing each other, who gets to determine whether it's a home game for Clemson? But like you said, if it, maybe it's a neutral site game. But I mean, are where are these neutral site games being held? Because I mean, we're playing in the same season as the NFL. If we're playing in these NFL stadiums, I mean, I think the Chiefs are going to want to uh, say, and they're not going to want them playing in Kansas City during uh, Saturday before the Sunday a Chiefs game. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, it's interesting, I, I, and you kind of almost think about it. I don't know. The thought also came to my head is we've heard a lot about the potential for relegation and, and having like a top league and a and a second tier league. It, it would almost be like relegating teams mid season within the conference, which again it's an interesting thought because it's not necessarily having two separate leagues, but if you have the cream, <laughs> the cream of the crop rising to the top and, and mid season, it's kind of interesting to think about like, Hey, you only play like the top four teams the rest of the season. That would be kind of, it'd be kind of wild. It would be wild, but and it's going to happen. It, it's the same thing with expanded playoffs. If we're expanding the playoffs, are we shorting the shortening the regular season? Because I mean, there's no way that they're going to be able to extend the football season. That would extend the football season if they did it to 12. That would, what, four more weeks of college football maybe or more? I don't know. Well, Where do they add the games and when do they add the games? Because just, it just seems it, like a lot, especially for college students. Um, going into Joey, different, that's different semesters of the, of the school year that they're, they're going through. Well, Joey, if you think about what you were talking about, I mean, say midseason, you know, realignment, and it's like, oh, hey, these, say, K-State's top tier, and now they've already said they already played, you know, case, uh, Oklahoma State. Now they got to play them again because realignment happened midseason, and then, or play Oklahoma again at the Big 12 championship, and then say we get both get into the playoff. You're potentially, you may play the same team three times. If, like, in a scenario like that were to happen. I mean, I think there's two things that, just to kind of think about. Number one, 
I mean, these games are scheduled, what, years in advance, these non-conference games. And so the mindset has to flip almost to like a college basketball scheduling model where you think about college basketball. A lot of the games that we hear about, okay, for this fall, you know, they're scheduled, you know, six, eight, ten months in advance. At least that's when they're announced to us. But the, the, the mindset on non-conference scheduling would have to change from an athletic department perspective, which they're already kind of digging their, themselves into these, you know, games that are scheduled 12 years in advance, you know, that would be just a huge change. But the other thing to think about is, especially with these larger conferences, how many, you know, if the 12 game model is going to be what it's going to be for college football, which it looks, I, I don't think they've talked about expanding the, the season at all. Um, but if the 12 game model is going to be where it's going to be at, how many non-conference games are these teams in these big conferences going to have? Is it still going to be three or four, or is it going to be one? One, I don't maybe think it's, I don't think it's possible to have three or four, just mm-hmm. on the the simple fact that the the season would be extended for a team that goes undefeated all the way to the national championship game. Um, so much. I mean, that's adding unless they're giving buys out in this twelve game scenario, um, in this twelve game. 12 team playoff there's I mean it's just extended so far because you're going to have to give they're not going to be able to play they might play them back to back but usually like in these playoff games they're getting a, a two weeks off in between it seems like so I don't know I don't know yeah. how I don't know how and and like you said they're scheduling these out of conference games so far in advance but if you look at K-State's out of conference schedule if the Pac-12 dissipates and Arizona gets added Colorado gets added we already got them on the schedule how many teams are looking for games uh, in the 2025 season the 2024 season or that are already booked up I mean we're going to be playing cupcakes or we're going to be playing elite dogs in 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 Dallas or something I don't know that's just what it's just something to think about with this realignment out of conference games are going to get jacked up um, and cause USC yeah. plays, I think Ohio state maybe down the road or Michigan down the road and yeah. sometime. So um, then do yeah. you add, do you add another non-conference game and then just add another game to that season? Do you take away a conference you ha- game? You would have, to, you or... would have to, that game would become a conference game unless, this is where it gets confusing because the Big 12 would, I mean, would seemingly, if they have 16 teams until 2025 or however many teams we're going to have until 2025, if Oklahoma and Texas leave, don't leave, um, are we doing divisions? Because if they're not in the division, they could still stay on there as a, as a, I mean, that would be still be a conference game. So it, it would just be, it would just be weird. I mean, that's another thing I want to know is, I mean, Brett Yormark starts on the 1st of August and he's, that's one of his first thing is uh, discussing scheduling with the conference and meeting all the things. How are we scheduling? How is the format of our teams going to be? I mean, the three, three, five, um, three, five, five model has been brought up a couple times, but I mean, I just would love to know exactly how we're going to go about doing the new big 12. Yeah, just real quick, Chef, to your point, you bring up a really great point of like how many teams have uh, have games that are open for scheduling. Someone, so I was I was tweeting about this earlier about like what we have scheduled for non-conference the next few years, and someone I I don't know who this is, but it's their title is Anon, 
and it's at mshot360 on Twitter for whoever that individual is, but said the list was missing a few. I think North Dakota Army, Georgia Southern, but said that 2024 and 2025, the only schools with both open for home and home would be Northwestern, Rutgers, who were playing, I guess, in 2030 and 2031, and Auburn and Tennessee. So that's, that's a great, 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 great question. Yeah, because I mean, it, and Army, Army, we already have booked up. Uh, Rutgers, we have booked up because Army comes to Manhattan, I think, and I know Scott's looking forward to that Hell one. Hell yeah! Um, that's going to be a crazy, crazy. But it's just there's so much logistics that goes on with all this stuff and the shuffling that goes on with this realignment, and I think it's, I don't, it's going to get solved no matter what. But it's just a lot to think about, and um, it's going to be exciting for the new 12 when we finally start getting these games played. And it always seems like that it's like that for the Big 12, where you get 10 years of just peace, and it's just our conference, this is how we do it. And then the 10, and the, after that 10 years, it's hell. And then we get shuffled up and then we get back to it again for another 10 years. I just wanted to say that I think we were talking about Notre Dame earlier and uh, now we're talking about scheduling. And I think that's what could finally force them into a conference is I think they can get the money they want right now. But will the Big Ten and the SEC and the Big 12 still have room for them as an independent with more conference games being demanded by the media partners. Ooh, that's a good that's a good point, man. Well like, I I've left especially the, I left the chat for a little bit. Were you guys talking Notre Dame um with the NBC thing, the seventy five million that I I had seen? I don't know if I, you yeah, brought so, that up. Sorry, I when I, I went had, outside. I, I, but I had said something about it in the beginning and then Patrick decided to make his lovely entrance. Right. Um <laughs> but no, you hit the point uh uh the Big Ten, SEC, and Big 12, if they have enough room for scheduling. I mean, the Notre Dame is, it may, that may change my mind on, they may go to a conference just for that reason. I mean, because their options are going to be essentially Army, um, Navy, Army, well, Navy, Navy's in the AAC, Air Force is in the Mountain West. Your your options are going to be like essentially if Cal and Stanford go independent, you've got those two as independents. You've got Army. Like if everybody's just strictly doing conference scheduling and and Power Five, Four, Three, Two, whatever it ends up being scheduling, at that point, yeah, Notre Dame's going to be super limited on what their options are. Well, and even then, for like the other schools and the other conferences, they have say they only have one non-con. And essentially Notre Dame gets to pick and choose, oh, my non-con, I'm going to help this team out or I'm going to get away from this team and go another way for this one non-con game for their year. Like, Notre Dame has a lot of leverage. And they also think, I mean, Notre Dame is one of those brands, not just in college football, but as a a school. Schools want to play Notre Dame. I mean, at the end of the day. And so if it ends up that hey, it's a 10-game conference model or 11-game. I mean, who knows? Um, tr- the schools want to play Notre Dame. I, I, I truly believe that. I mean, K-State, I'd love to play Notre Dame. But, um, you know, I, I don't 
think there's going to be as many limited options as it may seem on the outside if they do just do a complete independent schedule because I do think they're going to find teams that absolutely want to play and vice versa. I think you're right. I think if if the Big 12 is an option for Notre Dame, you make room for Notre Dame. You you as much as the brand is kind of hated or it's Yankee style of hatred where you you want to see them lose, you want you want Notre Dame associated with K-State with um with the Big 12. You want them associated with them. So if if you have to make room you make room for them. And I think you ink those deals where it's not necessarily, I hate the word partnership because it's been uh, used so grossly from the Big Ten and the ACC and all that stuff. But if you get a TV deal with Notre Dame where they're um, using four teams from the Big Big 12 to fill out their independent schedule and the Big 12 is now on NBC before a, a 3.30 game at Notre Dame or a um, after a noon game at Notre Dame, um, you make that schedule and you you deal with whatever comes with Notre Dame being in your, uh, loosely associated with your conference. Just, what, if their just only, what if their only thing on their checklist is that they have to have unequal revenue sharing, like Texas and Oklahoma? I think you deal with that because, I mean, even – Bringing that in with the NBC contract, I mean, they were that taking brand. that they were they were taking that in by themselves, no matter what. With NBC giving them that money, now if they now if NBC wants to uh, have Tier One rights, I don't think they would take all of Tier One rights for the Big Twelve. I would mostly go to Notre Dame, but if they wanted to take Tier Two and some, some I don't know how they even split that up. Can they take partial parts of Tier One? Um, but if they wanted to give you big dollars, but Notre Dame gets, I don't know, if they were not splitting it up evenly. So if they wanted to take whatever their percentage is, I think you make that deal because I don't think ESPN is going to shell you out the cash that you would want. Fox, maybe, maybe CBS, but NBC, if they're willing to pony up and you're making as a school $50 million, I think that's what you do. I just don't think there's any world where Notre Dame would end up in the Big 12 for whatever it's worth, at least not near term. Um, but, you know, it's an interesting thing to think about. I, I personally am not a fan of unequal revenue sharing at all, mostly just because of we've seen how that's worked out. And in all of the conversations that they're having about realignment, like if the Pac-12 gives Oregon and Washington unequal revenue sharing, like, that's a, that's a doomsday scenario. Like they're they're not going to stay in the conference for very long if that's the case. So I just don't I just don't see that happening. Um, and personally, I don't really care enough about Notre Dame to where I would give them that if they were interested in the Big Twelve. Just think of all the fighting and the name dropping on Twitter of oh Ohio State just took Notre Dame this year or oh hey. Oregon just took Notre Dame this year, or Alabama just took Notre Dame this year. Haha, <laughs> suck it. You guys have to wait another five to ten years before even Notre Dame thinks about coming to you or you them going to you. Like, just think of the controversy and the, the war people are going to have of, over Notre Dame, putting them on their schedule. It's, I mean, football is just so weird now. It's just... 
I'm just ready for this season to happen. And then it, it kind of just, it seems like it comes in waves with this realignment stuff. Um, and I don't think it'll ever be done um, until they like completely disassociate from the NCAA and they're their own thing. And we're kind of just left out the dry. I think it's either going to, it's either going to hit a wall where it's completely done and it's not nowhere. It's not even a resemblance of college football or it's just steadily leaks like how we're doing it now. And the conferences just kind of adjust and make moves just to stay alive. Here's another thought that I had just while we were talking about it. If we essentially end up locking in a big two or a big three, God willing, we end up having the big 12 as, as the third, if, if that's the case, and we end up just reaping the spoils of, whatever second tier teams would be in the ACC and the Pac-12 at that point. If we end up in that type of scenario, what happens to the G5? Like, does the G5 create their own tournament? Do people want to be part of the G5 if they're not in the, in the big two? Like, what what does that end up looking like? I mean, it's possibly, kind of... No, go ahead, go ahead, Nick. Uh, possibly go down to D2. Um, and... But well, they, they won't be D two across the, the board. And the, and the numbers for, from a basketball yeah. and from every other sports standpoint, every team in the G five and FCS are all Division one. That's I, I don't know then. No, I think it's it if for when it comes to football, I think it's going to be that these teams are going to need to play somebody. They're not going to go strictly unless they completely. Disattach from um, detached from the NCAA. I think they're always going to need somebody to play. Um, so these MAC schools are going to be able to play the Big Ten in their out of conference. Um, they're going to pay them just to warm these teams up. Um, they're not going to be able to. I don't. Maybe no if the conferences are so big, they'll just be able to go straight into conference play, but. I don't know. It's just it's Let's, not it's not anywhere close to what we called college football not even five years ago. So it's it's just totally different. You, I'm not smart enough to even put answers on all this stuff because I don't know how it's going to move. And I don't think the people that are in charge really give a damn what it looks like. I think they're just going to do it, get their big checks, um, build bigger facilities, and just keep pushing. Let's go, Thundering Herd. I love Marshall. We are. I do not love Marshall because of what happened in what two thousand three. Yeah, but Matthew McConaughey was so good in that movie. I, that's what the only reason why I like Marshall, and it's the color green. I mean, that's that's really about it. I don't think I'd ever hear this much praise for Marshall on a K-State podcast. I have a couple Marshall fans on my route that I deliver to, and I just look at them like, damn. Um, Who was – was it Marcus Watts? Was he on that team for K-State? Was was that his name? Marcus Watts? Marcus – he was a safety for K-State. He talked about – That was – well, when Marshall was relevant was when Randy Moss was there. And, oh, this yeah. was well before they played. That was well before they played K State, though. That was what two thousand and was it two? No, it was two thousand. No, it was 98, 99, 99. Yeah, ninety eight, ninety nine. When they played K State, 
Oh, when they played K State, it was 03, 04. 04. So it was like, yeah, it was it? like 03. Yeah. Yeah, Randy I mean, Moss was in the late 90s. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, he was 90. I think he got drafted in what, 98? And Didn't, I mean, Marsh, uh, Chad Pennington. They Chad, had yep, a, Chad Pennington was there, quarterback. Was, Didn't they? Brian Leftwich. Like Leftwich was there in like, I mean, he had to be like 07. Because I remember watching him in high school, like, damn, this boy's getting dragged across the field by his old lineman. That was a iconic scene in, in football that. right there. Hey, so the, yeah. the most, like, the, when you were talking about Marshall being on the K-State podcast, like, I'm a obviously a K-State fan, but I'm, I'm an avid college football fan. And I will say I am an LSU fan simply for the fact of my dad was from Louisiana and been in Louisiana many times, grew up a uh, Saints and LSU Tiger fan. And so uh, for Christmas, birthday, whatever you want to call it, Dad and I, we went to an LSU game in Death Valley. Let me tell you. Let me tell you. Death Valley at night, and then when Garth Brooks, Colin Baton Rouge, comes around the, the speakers, Huh. Electrifying. <laughs> I I can't say that I have a second team in college football. I'm strictly K State all the way. But I'll from where I'm at, um, and the people that surround me, um, I don't like watching Ohio State lose because the the they don't they don't deal with losing like how we deal with losing. They um. It's an end of the world scenario if they lose a game. Like this past season, so, when they lost to Oregon, was gross. So is it like a uh, how I was when the Royals lost the World Series in 2014? Oh God! Where, where don't I went remind me and when I uh, went and cried myself in my dorm room and went and got ice cream to soothe. I mean, soul? it's it's ugly. I mean, it's, it's I understand it because they're winners. And winners, when they lose, they can deal with it two ways. They could either accept the loss and get better, but Ohio State fans, when they lose, it's, so it's like the Yankees. It's an end of the world scenario, and I I don't blame them for it, but I don't like seeing it. I don't like being around it. So it's like they need more experience losing. They, I, <laughs> they do need. They do, well, they had that one season where. Um, when um, Trestle left and Terrell yes. Pryor got them all in trouble, and then Luke Fickle like took over for a year, and they went like, I want to say like four and eight or five and seven, and they, that was a gloomy year in Columbus, Ohio. It was so funny to watch them just scramble around like, oh, this is fucking bullshit. They're taking us. They're taking our wins away for tattoos. It's fucking bullshit. It's so funny. Yeah, Ohio State fans are a different breed, dude. They are they are a next level breed of fan, and I'm I'm saying that because one of my best friends out here, his name's Luke. He is a diehard diehard Ohio State fan, and that dude, when they lose, is just he is he can be so insufferable to be around. And I love him, and I want to like to be around him. And I, if he listens to this, he's going to hear this. And it, it is not fun to be around him or to talk to him about Ohio State when Ohio State loses. And so, you know, I, I get that to a degree, Chef. I get that. Yeah, I mean, it's – it's, and but I'm like that too. I'm like in the – 
it's when it's when we finally lose i kind of let it go i understand but like in the middle of the game when we're losing don't i don't want to be talked to i don't want to hear you say we'll get them next time i want to be left alone to deal with my loss and let me absorb it and then i'll move on to the next week i'm like we're gonna win this week i I wonder how mrs chef thinks about you when k-state loses oh when case she she's over here bad mouthing me right now she's talking shit about me throwing a pity party because i throw shit when we lose or a bad play happens. I don't know how you guys deal with watching K State, but I love I, I love that she I, said yeah. no in the background. <laughs> by the way, I, I'm a I, I am a I am a giant child when it comes to watching football or basketball because I'm like if we're it's a Saturday I'm off of work. Sometimes we'll go out to a restaurant, but I'm watching it on my phone and I'm like slamming the table like you son of a bitch. Like I can't like I can't deal with it. I'm a small child in a big body. And I need I need <laughs> therapy really because it's it's not right the way I act towards I mean teenagers playing a game I take it too 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 harshly and I and my kids are scared of me during games they don't want to be around me I'm sure I look like a giant giant Barney because I'm dressed in purple but I'm like <laughs> they're they're seeing me just like throw things against the wall slam chairs. Storm out, cussing a storm. I'm. It's it's bad. I mean, Scott, well, Scott says it, but... it best. Scott says there's I, like there's sports depression and there's real depression. Don't let sports depression turn into actual depression. Yeah, like you've got to be able to separate the things. Oh, I, am, uh, I what I do is uh, I yell at the screen like I'm talking to or formerly Coach Mess and just be like, "What the hell were you thinking? I can predict your plays, man. Come on." That was my biggest issue was predict I could predict the plays, what we're gonna run for the offense for that game. And then oh, yep. I am uh just gonna I'm the I am extremely quiet. Joey probably knows. We've been to games together. Uh I don't talk during games. I don't do anything during games other than watch. I'm very I don't know. I'm just very uh especially for football, everybody kinda, you know. I'm just very quiet for basketball. I'm very like pessimistic and I've always been, but uh, you know, if the ref does a bad call, I'm quiet. I'm quiet for everything. I don't know. It's probably I'm the total opposite of that. And I wish I could <laughs> be more stoic like you. Cause I, I let my emotions run deep. I don't tweet it. I'm glad I don't tweet while the game's going on. I'll tweet a little bit, but not like, what I'm really feeling on the inside, because I probably would get banned real quick. Because oh, the, the overreactions <laughs> that come on my Twitter timeline during football and basketball season are just next level overreactions. Uh, Meltdown City. Stop. I'm very real. Off mute a few times. I, I would like you to like you to speak. Yeah. Uh, my favorite. Yeah, I've I've learned that uh, to never bet on your favorite team or your, a team that you root for. Oh man, oh, that just makes God. it even. Oh man! Tell that to my parlay bet where if the cats, the Chiefs, if the cats win the Big Twelve championship, the Chiefs win the Super Bowl, and oh, the Abs no. and the Abs win the Stanley Cup, I parlayed those three things together on a hundred dollar bet to win one hundred nineteen thousand dollars. Oh, so, baby! Let's let's see, let's see if let's that happens. Go. I I will bet on my favorite team, and I do it so consistently that it's very bad for me. 
I've started betting. I've started. So I have somebody in Pennsylvania because obviously betting isn't legal yet. And now that I live in Missouri, that's a pain in the ass. But um, so for every K-State football game and basketball game, I put a bet on with him. And for basketball, I bet I do bet against us a good amount just from a spread perspective. Um, yeah, I did for basketball this year. But, um, yeah, this I got 10 bucks on Deuce winning the Heisman. I got 50 on K-State winning the Big 12. And I got 100 on us over six and a half wins. Oh, my so. gosh, yeah. Oh, hell yeah. Dude, I, and I, I was just saying. You're going to break even on that. Too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I think I'll break even on, on it. <laughs> I How much? money on the 10 wins, which was good, I think. Oh, I mean, Scott, Scott seemed pretty shocked that you would do that, but. I didn't throw that much on. I think maybe like fifty bucks or something. But I think the payout's going to be substantial. Oh, I, God, man, do you got? I can I can't bet with K State because I let emotions. But the good thing about it is that I had I worked with a OU fan the past like maybe three or four seasons ago, and for three straight years, well, two straight years, we beat them, and he was not. <laughs> It was it's so glorious, <laughs> like making small bets with degenerate OU fans because those two years were awesome. Like they they didn't know how to handle themselves. You know, sometimes you just gotta hedge your bets and bet. You know, yeah. I did this with the Celtics this uh, finals. I'd bet the Heat to win, so that if the I'm a Celtics fan, if the Celtics won, at least I won something either way. Um, did that during the finals for Golden State, and that didn't. I mean, it turned out okay for me, but um, I hedged my bets. Do you, well, and even, do you though, think... even though you're living Missouri side, Matt, you should still be able to, like, go over to the Kansas side, place a bet on the FanDuel app if they once they, like, open that up and then go back to the Missouri side. So if you're, like, hanging out in Leewood or Lenexa, you should be well, able to yeah. do that. Yeah, I mean, it's location-based. Yeah. So I have, I have a FanDuel account, and so when I travel, you know, uh, I'll place some bets. Um, so it just means that I'm going to have to drive – four blocks to state line road to go place a bet, which is a pain in the ass, but is what it is. Yeah. Remember use promo code boys on my bookie. Ooh. Oh, that's my right. Bookie. I have I, I got to start. <laughs> you, yeah. I got to take advantage of the promo. I already Blue had two. DraftKings one. And Blue two ad. <laughs> I mean, do you got, I mean, the expectation we talked about it on the last, um, pod that we just did the live chat. Um, do you worry about like where expectations if they get too high? Like we raised our, I mean, from the past since Clyman's been here and after the COVID season, I think we all kind of raised the floor to where we need to see um, eight wins. I think a consensus everybody thinks eight wins is where this program's at. Do you think it should remain that way forever, or is it um, a five-year period where you see those or do, do you worry that your expectations if they raise up and they it comes back down to earth again is that somewhere that you want to be mentally because i don't i don't like thinking about it like that because we we're just talking so, about the ohio state thing and if i have to be a national championship contender every year or it's a fail i don't know how happy i would be as a sports fan so i think logically if we're all using common sense here, which some of us don't, but um, we have to evaluate it every, like you said, about probably about every five years and see where we're at. If we're consistently having eight, nine win seasons, then that's our expectations. But then if we're 
exceeding those by having 10, 11, possibly 12. But we have to evaluate probably every three to five years, like you said, in order to see where we're at. But then, for instance, would you want to say we have a down year? We just came – actually, you know what? We just came off a couple of Big 12 title runs, and then we plummet down to eight win seasons, seven win seasons. That's gonna, like he's, that's gonna be scary. No, I mean, but that's where I'm. That's what I'm saying because if if we let our heads get so big, where eleven, where we're winning eleven games, let's say we win eleven games two years in a row, and then we win eight, do we want to keep our heads where eleven is no. the is where we want to be? Because that's how you fire coaches, and then you get into like how Nebraska turned out because they were winning games consistently with Bo Pelini, but that wasn't good enough because they still had 70s brain. So, so and you lose you don't get a culture started and then fired because it doesn't reach the culture of yesteryear. And I don't I don't that's where I'm worried about like cuz our floor has been raised up already and it's only year 4 of Chris Kleiman. So if our well, floor exponentially we'll- raises every year, are we setting ourselves up for failure? It's been more fun being a Chiefs fan than a Royals fan the last few years is what I'll tell you. And, you know, even if they don't always win the Super Bowl, it's been a lot more fun watching us, even if we don't go all the way, because there's that hype the whole year. You know, after 2011, I was hyped as hell for 2012 and the year after because we had those high expectations. And sometimes it's a letdown in the season. One of the lowest points was, you know, after the Baylor game. But, like, right now in the offseason, that hype leading into it, is just such a fun high that I don't want to feel like we're going into a Royal season. Well, you're, you're absolutely right. I, I think about K-State as a bowl eligible team at worst and anything below that is unacceptable. Um, it, like we're, we should not get back to a point where in the eighties we have a Stan Parrish team that go, goes and wins two games and is basically the KU at this point today. I think what I was trying to say on the last pod is like, We've ha- we've already had a down year with Kleiman. Granted, it was during COVID, but we've seen what a down year looks like, and we've also seen that team, that type of team, rebound. And my thought process is, yeah, if we if we have a, a ten win team or an eleven win team two years in a row, and we have to rebuild, that should be expected to be part of the process, right? That's not that's not something that's going to happen all the time where we end up winning eleven win eleven games two years in a row and then we immediately, you know, fall down that that should be expected. If we are in a situation where we are today, where I feel like this program is building towards something and hasn't quite reached that pinnacle. I think it's totally fair for us to say that the floor of this team should be nine wins and, and that we're building off of last year, which was an eight win team um, as opposed to, Hey, you know, we've reached 11 wins and we lost all of those core pieces and they're all gone now. Um, so we're starting from scratch again. I think I think I would, you know, I would maybe argue against that that point a little bit, just because the situation we're in right now is we're building towards something as opposed to building down from something. If that makes sense. And I get what you're saying, but the roller coaster ride isn't like that for every program. And I and we, it comes back to what we talked about maybe a week ago with the recruiting. If we recruit at a high level, is the standard always going to be up or does or can't why why should we expect to have dips every three years 
I mean, a, a program like uh, we talked about Alabama, we talked about Ohio State, we talked about Clemson. Those, I mean, other than Ohio State, those those places aren't. I mean, they're in the South, but we we can. It's so recruiting nationally and recruiting Texas is not hard. If we recruit, what's what's to say that we have to have those dips every every three years when we could just I don't know just stay consistent and build the brand up because those play those teams had to start somewhere too. Oklahoma wasn't shit in the eighties. Um, Clemson wasn't shit in the eighties. Uh, and the nineties the though. <laughs> but that's what I'm saying. That I mean they weren't. They, all, all these brands weren't like monsters all the time, but wh- where do we get to the point where we're a consistent elite? T- How do you get to be a blue blood? I guess is what I'm asking. That's a great question. Um, I wish that Snyder could have probably capitalized on it a little bit more. Um, Cause I mean, 2012 is a great example. It was almost like the tail end of football in the 90s and 2000s where it's like you don't have social media as much it's not as big of a deal like rivals in 247 aren't as distributed as they are today even and i feel like had he opened up the program a little bit more and and given people a little bit more of an insight into what they're doing how they do things (laughs) give the players more of a spotlight at that point in time if we would have capitalized on that then maybe we wouldn't be in the situation where we're kind of rebuilding with climbing And we're in more of a situation like Clemson where they were not really a brand that was relevant until Dabo took over and Brent Venables came in. And it was like early 2010s, really, that they became more of that brand. Um, So I I think we kind of missed the window there a little bit. And and maybe it's just because Snyder's old and he wanted to operate like it was the 80s still. Um, But I don't know. It's, It's a great question. How does one program become a blue blood? Is a great so here's, question. Here's how I think you do it. Everything you mentioned, you mentioned a person at that place, a coach, like Dabo or Snyder. So number one, you got to get the right person. And then number two is how do you find that person? And then how do you retain them? And I think you have to have a good culture in order to do that from the ground up at the university that attracts them in the first place and then makes it unique enough that they want to stay there long term, both from a monetary standpoint, so you have to have that, but then you have to have a culture there that they can buy into and then they can create and augment themselves. Bill Snyder always talked about how, you know, when you show up on campus, everyone was friendly and greeted him. So he didn't create that culture. He built around that culture. And if that wasn't there, I don't know that he comes to K-State. And if Clemson isn't Clemson, I don't know that Dabo stays there either. So I think those are the two key things. You got to have the right culture and then the right person to lead it. And I, do you I think, think do you think climbing is the right culture and the right person to lead it? Because I think I think we we're seeing the leading indicators of that. But do you think that pays off when we look back in five years or so? I mean, I'm going to be honest. I don't think climbing will be able to get us quite to the highs that Snyder did. Or at least I haven't seen it yet at K State. Maybe he can. Maybe after this recruiting class, he can. But the other thing is, you have to build up. It's very rare to get a Bill Snyder, you know. So you can start from a lower level, but having a good foundation that will attract those good people, you know, maybe this catapults us to the next level after climbing, or maybe with his recruiting class, it is him. I, I don't know. I, I, I think when you, <laughs> when you say that and, and the culture is important and all that stuff, but I think it's about building, um, 
the the coach that you get because that's very good point that you have to find a guy and get him in here and get his culture established a build around the university because the university has history but you have to have somebody that can go beyond him somebody in his tree they have to build a tree because bill snyder built a tree Dabo comes from i think the nick saban tree um um and chris Kleiman, can he get a legacy here and then have Klein take over and and Klein is K-State. So if Klein is, let's say he is the heir apparent and he is the truth from at the, as the ace OC and he does what he's supposed to do and we're good. Um, can he take over and just keep it rolling? Because I think it takes more than just one coaching tenure to do it because Ohio state, um, I hate to bring them up again, but I mean, they had, um, Trestle, and then Trestle left, but they had um, history of coaches in the area. So Urban Meyer comes in, and he brings in his coaches. Ryan Day takes over, and it never stops. So I think it's just building the culture that is already established at the university, like you said, but it has to continue through their tree. So I think Klein maybe could be the option after Kleinman, but if you don't think Kleinman can – get us to the highs. And I guess it's null and void. You know, one of the things for me that was huge was a bounce back year from climbing because it showed a little bit of promise knowing that outside of Bill Snyder, the last K-State head coach I've seen in my lifetime was Ron Prince. And in his first year, he made a bull game. But the, the second, the two years after that were not, did not show promise. And so for Kleiman to make a bowl game in his first year, that was important. That was huge. You know, the COVID year, you take that out of the equation. I mean, it was a little bit of a down year, but you have to understand kind of what was going on. But I felt he took that down year and he really improved the team as a whole to, to bounce that back up. And that's important. I mean, it isn't, you know, building a brand overnight. We're never going to be able to do that. You know, it's going to take year after year of hard work and, and winning. Um, but it, it, for me, it was important to show that we have a head coach that can do something here at K-State, um, you know, outside of his first year. And um, I, I absolutely agree. You know, I, I would love to see Colin Klein here for the rest of his career. Um, you know, Kleiman's what? He's probably in his early 50s or uh, late 50s, early 50s. I think he's so, in his early mid 50s. I think he's like 55. Um, 55. Okay. And, and, and I heard somewhere, I don't know who said it, but like, Klein is young. Klein is younger than me. So, I mean, I'm Kleiman is sure. 54. Kleiman is 54. He's 54. Klein he's 54. can't be about 30 years old. Colin I'll bet he, he's probably age, 30. Right, yeah, yeah, because he's he, either thirty or twenty nine. He's thirty two. He's thirty two. He's born in. How in the hell? He's he. I guess he graduated college the same year as me. Well, okay, two thousand twelve. He was he was recruited by Ron Prince. That's true. I mean, so and and I I know where you're going with that, and and if he can stay forever, and and it's just I'm going to use the hashtag again. Hashtag build the tree. <laughs> what does what does does Klein have to get out? of K-State to get his and be a head coach somewhere else to build his tree and get somebody on his staff to come back? Or do we just keep recycling K-Staters? 
let's I mean let's, it's just dude, let's make him a let's make him a Lincoln Riley. And granted, hopefully he doesn't leave for USC, but we we make him a Lincoln Riley. Hopefully he is that same type of character for us that Lincoln Riley was able to be for Oklahoma. And he and he learned under Bob Stoops and he was a younger guy and he gets his shot and improves his worth. And and Lincoln Riley did that. I, I mean that sucks, but he did that. It's going to mean one of two things if that happens. One, Kleiman leaves for a better job because he's done a great job here, which is great. Or two, Kleiman gets fired or something. And then are you going to actually take an offensive coordinator that led to your coach being fired? I, I, don't, think, just, I, don't, I don't know. I don't think there's any way possible that Kleiman can get fired. And I don't think not he can't get fired. Okay. But I don't think on the trajectory that he's at that he will. It would be way down the road yeah. where he's in his mid sixties. Um, and I think he's not gonna leave for a better job unless it's a big ten job, <clears throat> Iowa. Um that's the That's what only, I was gonna say. <laughs> I don't think there's any other job that would interest him. Maybe Nebraska. I don't see Nebraska going a small I hate to say that. Because I think Kleiman is a really good coach, but I don't think them going after Scott Frost, them going small timey to K State's head coach, I don't think they would do that. But I think I also I, don't. I don't think I don't think Kleiman views Nebraska as a better job than K State. No, I don't they're, think so they're either. They're recruiting the same guys right now. It's it's a parody program for all that's worth at this point. And I will say, I will say, Iowa <laughs> does scare me, but I don't think Kirk Ferentz has any plans to leave because. They're they're all right with him beating Iowa State every year and winning eight games. Similar, it's so racist, similar to us. Guess, it's allegedly and being racist, and and that's a cherry on top that I think the whole state of Iowa can agree that is just perfect. I yeah I I first off I don't think Chris Kleiman's going to get fired. I don't. Um, I'm I'm just thinking kind of from a long term perspective and and Colin Klein and how he's become a huge part of this program um, and now getting a, a high profile job, you know, like an offensive coordinator position, you know, does he feel like K-State is, you know, he, if he wants to be a head coach, does he feel like he's going to have to leave K-State in order to do that? Or is he fine to wait however long? Um, I think naturally really the only opportunity that it's going to, you know, if, if there's any short term and by short term, I even think like eight, maybe eight, five or eight years, you know, it's going to be, we've had a lot of success, which is great again for us, but it means that our head coach gets poached by another, another team. Um, that's, that's kind of how I foresee it for Klein, but it's all dependent on what he wants to be, you know, at the end of the day, um, if he, yeah, I would love to see him here for, you know, 30 years. Um, I'm, I'm going to write it down right now and you guys can uh, fact check this for the history books, but Colorado joins the big 12 after 2024. And then they have three dumpster fire years in the big 12 getting smushed by us. Uh, we win a big 12 title and 2026, right? 2026 Avery's a junior. Um, 2026 he's a junior we win the big 12 avery's potentially going to the draft but he might come back klein takes the colorado job and becomes the colorado buffalo's head coach and then maybe that's he's 35 then no 36 then and he comes back in his mid 40s to take over back at k-state 
that is that is a hot mm-hmm. take and i think is definitely definitely worth at least writing down <laughs> sure. i'm right i don't right now. and i guarantee I you that i don't I think, think it's that far fetched i don't I think, think it's that far fetched man that's and 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 i will be okay with that Unless he makes Colorado really good, and then I would be really sad. <laughs> Either that or, hey, Mike Norvell does a shitty job at CSU, and he takes a job at CSU because he's from Loveland, and Loveland and Fort Collins are a lot closer together than uh, Loveland and Boulder are. Mm. But, and, I, again, I am – I'm sorry. I'm, the pes- I'm, I'm, I'm somewhat pessimistic sometimes. I look at, I look at you know, some of this stuff. You know, we've seen Colin Klein as an offensive coordinator for one game, and it was against an LSU team, which they had good, play- they had great players. I want to see a full season and how this works out too. Yeah, um, because I, I, I'm excited. I'm super excited because if you think about what we're comparing it to for the past few years, it should be a little more exciting. I saw some of the quotes about Klein. You know, Kleiman said more plays like we want to be, I, I don't know if it was he who said it, but somebody, you know, second most offensive plays per game in the big 12. Am I like mystery? Maybe I'm like, maybe I read something wrong, but you know, they want to, they want to speed it up. If he's able to, you know, really put a, an exciting brand of offense on the field and it wins games. I mean, that's the thing for me that I I'm really excited to see how it looks from game one to game 13. I will say, I will say, um, you you guys have every right to be uh, pessimistic, and even just having some um, hold your feelings back on what Klein can do. But I think if you look back of him being um, the Northern Iowa's uh, OC, I think those offenses ran pretty smooth, and I think he could do the same thing here. Yeah, I think I think the only thing that that concerns me is that season in 2018 when him and uh, Andre Coleman were co-offensive coordinators. Granted, I think Coleman and and Snyder were doing a majority of the play calling, probably, um, which is why maybe maybe Klein hasn't gotten his chance again until now, and, I, and why I, the offense also hasn't looked a whole lot different until now. But I don't. Yeah, I don't take that season for anything because I think they also had three offensive coordinators. You you said Colin Klein and uh, Andre Coleman, but I think um, we had Dickie two was the run was the run game coordinator, and uh, you, you got so many cooks in that. I don't think his voice even got heard. To be honest, I'm just I'm not going to put that on him at all. No, and and the issue that season, if we go back, like. The issue that season is we had two quarterbacks. We nobody knew if it was going to be Alex Delton or if it was going to be Skylar Thompson on any given day, and so it was it was so fucking frustrating watching that season because we all knew that Skylar was the better quarterback. And it's not that Alex Delton didn't have talent; he had talent, and he was a homegrown guy, which was nice to have from Hayes. But ultimately, you have to go with the better of the two guys. And I don't know if Skyler did something to piss Bill off behind the scenes in the veneer or whatever. Um, but, you know, it, it, all of that to go back to the original point, our sample size of Colin Klein to Matt's point is the bowl game against LSU and being a quote unquote co-offensive coordinator in 2018. So it will be very, very interesting to see the litmus test of this season being game one to game 12 and beyond potentially. Uh, of how he addresses things and and how he runs that offense, especially with a, a dynamic quarterback like Adrian Martinez. 
I think these first three games should be a good like tell if this offense is going to be, I guess, not necessarily the real deal, but something that we can wake up every Saturday or whenever they play their game and be excited for instead of having to dread like, oh, shit, we're going to have we already know that we're going to call these plays like the will howard also the like the will howard like the sphincter clenching of oh shit we've got will starting like and i felt that way when i was in austin for the the k-state ut game and i'm like oh fuck we've got will will howard starting it's going to be like it's just not going to be a fun game to watch and i had my i had my mother-in-law and my sister-in-law there with me, and we, they were Baylor and Iowa State fans cheering for for the Cats against the UT fans in the family, and it was just like God. It just it killed my soul that we lost that game, and I'm mm-hmm. I, I'm glad on one hand that it was the reason why Courtney Messingham got fired. Probably yeah. it was the culmination of that, at least. But my God, like I just don't want to have any more like sphincter clenching games where it's like fuck it's not going to be a fun game going into it. And you just know going into it, that's going to fucking suck to watch it. I'm yeah. all for sphincter clinching, by the way. <laughs> well, you're a cardiac <laughs> cats fan. Like that's, that's the name of the game at this point. Exactly. I mean, I'm out of here boys, but um, don't forget um, my hot take and uh hashtag build the tree or hold build on the tree. The... Yeah. Build the tree. Build the tree. Yeah, build the tree. Pound Good the stone, build boys. the tree. Anybody else have anything to say before we put a pin in it? Man, I don't think so. I mean, uh, I'm excited, obviously, uh, about today um, with the uh, big time basketball recruit. We're moving in the right direction, and uh, you know what? It's uh, July 20th, and we've got what 48 days, or how many days till Cats football? 48 days. Not that many. Not soon enough, yeah. Not soon enough. And uh, spot 294 is uh, is not there anymore. And spot 10-something now. So, uh, yeah. The this new facility is real kicking the dick, isn't it? Yo, it's such a kick in the... Oh, man. <laughs> it's so annoying. Hey, I, I you, love it's nice. facilities. Stars? Would you rather have four-star recruits or your parking spot? Um. You know what, Joe? That's a trick question because the parking spot <laughs> has become such a, a community. It's a community, but I would rather have the recruits. So, I agree with that. I agree with that. <laughs> yeah. Stoss, any final words from you? I think uh, I was surprised about the uh, basketball recruit committing today. I think that was really good for paying yeah. uh, to see. I think. I don't know. I was. I started looking at uh, the 2023 class. I think. I think we get two more at least. Two more top 150 players for sure. I would. I would agree. I think with it's that. a lot. I would agree with that. Yeah, that was. Uh, I think Scott. This Scott set the over under at one and a half for four real star low. or real higher low. recruits. Yeah, for four star or higher recruits that we get on top of day day aim. So it's going to be interesting to see who else we bring in. Um, that MHVER3 guy on Twitter's got some more interesting stuff, so I'm going to refer you guys to him on his Twitter feed. But um, I don't really have much else to say. Uh, Will, you got any final words? Yeah, I w- it was nice to see a future purple and black uh, player commit oh. today, and I'm excited to see the current oh. ones play soon. 
Did you go to the thing last night at St. Thomas Aquinas or whatever? Uh, no, I really wanted to, but my wife has COVID, so I'm laying low uh, in public. Bummer, bummer. Yeah, looked pretty great. Yeah, though. I saw a lot of. Yeah, I saw a lot of people went to that. Hopefully, hopefully, I, I can't watch the game on Friday because I'm going to be traveling. But looking forward to to seeing how that pans out with Beasley back in the fold. Yeah, I uh, I went last night. It was uh, it was fine. Uh, it was fine. Jealous. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I depressing. I know, but uh, no, it was fine. Um, who committed today? Day day. No, 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 no. Uh, I thought some. Oh, future purple and black. Got it. Yep, it yeah. was a pun. Yeah. Got it. I was like, wait, who's playing? Um, yeah, I'm excited to see. Uh, I was hoping to see Michael Beasley yesterday, so I was a little bummed. Uh, but yeah, Jacob Pollan can still hit outside threes most of the time so that should uh that should get something going i just love seeing like mike mcgirl or gip is going to be next to beasley just like all these dudes from different eras that are so big in the memory from different games like all of a sudden standing next to each other it's i don't know it's just fun yeah is barry is barry on the team or no 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 i didn't think so So. yeah because that that would be cool to see pull in beasley you know uh, fuck, uh, Barry Brown and McGurl. Seeing all those guys on the same team would be really, really fucking cool. Oh, but yeah, well, and Bill Walker. Oh yeah, shit! Totally forgot about Bill Walker. Henry Walker, <laughs> yeah. Walker goes by now. Yeah. So, anybody know why he changed his name to Henry or or back to Henry or started going by Henry? I have no idea. I think you should tweet at him and uh, maybe he'll respond. Maybe he'll tell you. I'll do that. I'll do that. <laughs> I have no zero inhibitions at this point uh, in my, you know, right now or on Twitter. So I will, I will do that. All right, y'all. It was great talking to everybody. I will go ahead and put a pin in this and I'll publish this on the SoundCloud feed because I don't really care enough to do a, a, an actual podcast thing. Hell yeah. <laughs> nice. Thanks. Uh, good talking with y'all. Yep. Go cats. Go cats. Go cats.